Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Martin Cohen, and today we're going to study some material from page 70 in Tractate Pesachim. To get a running jump into the material I wish to teach, however, it's necessary to turn back to the previous page, page 69, uh, where a Mishnah appears that presents the overall topic with which our Gemara is concerned. The Mishnah concerns the Chagigah offering that was brought on Erev Pesach. It's important not to confuse this with the actual Chagigah, the festival offering that was brought on, brought on the days of the festival, or at the very least on, on the intermediary days of the festival. That was a requirement of the Torah. But it was also a requirement of the Torah that the Pesach offering, the Zevach Pesach, be eaten in a state of, of fullness, of satiety. And therefore, it was a custom, especially if there was a huge group of people subscribed to eat a single Pesach, which could not possibly fill them all up, also to offer up a Chagigah offering, or rather an offering that was casually called a Chagigah, specifically the Chagigah of the 14th of Nisan, so that there'd be plenty of food, plenty of meat, and people could eat it and be almost full, and then complete their meal with the Pesach, and that would fulfill their obligation, Erev Pesach, to uh, on the evening of Pesach, rather, to consume the flesh of the Paschal offering. So our Mishnah asks, when does one bring this Chagigah along with the Pesach? And it, it provides certain strictures and certain rules, and one of them is that we do not do this on Shabbat. The reason is clear. Uh, offering sacrifices involves certain activities that would normally be forbidden on Shabbat, but the sacrificial service in the temple in Jerusalem overrode the Sabbath prohibitions almost always, except in a case like this where the the offering, the Chagigah of the 14th of Nisan, is not really a mitzvah of the Torah, just a convenience that made it possible for people to obey the law regarding the Zevach Pesach properly, but not specifically speaking a mitzvah unto itself. A sacrifice like that did not override the normal Sabbath strictures that pertain, and therefore, when Erev Pesach fell on Saturday, the Chagigah offering was not offered. And now we turn to our Gemara on page 70b. It was taught in a Baraita. A Baraita is a lesson from the period of the uh, Mishnah that for some reason was not included in the actual Mishnah, as follows. Yehuda ben Bort. Yehuda ben Dortai peresh hu v'dortai beno v'alach v'yashav lo bidarom. It once happened that Yehuda ben Dortai and his son, who was named Dortai, like his father, uh, separated himself from the rest of the community of scholars and went to live in the distant south. The reason the Gemara uh, suggests for this is that he wished to avoid the the whole situation in the Beit HaMikdash when Erev Pesach fell on Shabbat. Indeed, he said, Im yavo Eliyahu v'yomar lehem liyisrael mipnei ma lo chagaktem chagigah b'Shabbat, mahem omrim lo. He said, what should happen if the Mashiach comes and the prophet Elijah should ask the 
the Jewish people, why exactly did you not offer up the Chagigah of the 14th of Nisan this year merely because Erev Pesach fell on Shabbat? Mahim Omrilo, what are they going to say to him? To Mehani al Shnei Gedolei Hador, Shamaya Ve'avtalyon, Shehem Chachamim Gedolim, Vedarshanim Gedolim, Velo Amrula Henli Israel Chagigah Dochat HaShabbat. I'm stunned that the two great Torah scholars of our generation, Shemaya and Avtalyon, uh, that they did not instruct the Jewish people that that the Chagigah of the 14th of Nisan indeed is supposed to override the laws of Shabbat rest. Now, one detail I forgot to mention is that in the Torah, in Parshat Baha'alotcha, the law is set down that people who are in a state of impurity or, more relevant right here, too far away to get to the Beit HaMikdash on Erev Pesach, are exempt from offering the Zevach Pesach, and they are allowed to observe the festival of Passover a month late, not on the 15th of Nisan, but on the 15th of Iyar, the following month. That institution is called Pesach Sheni, but the rules are slightly different for Pesach Sheni than for the real Passover offering. And so, uh, especially because the uh, Pesach Sheni will not fall on Shabbat in a year in which the real Erev Pesach falls on Shabbat, uh, or rather Erev Pesach Sheni will not fall on Shabbat in, the, in a year in which the real Erev Pesach falls on Shabbat. So Yehuda ben Dortai solved the whole problem by going into the deep south part of Eretz Yisrael, uh, further than the limits that would uh, constitute being too close to avoid coming to Yerushalayim, and therefore didn't have to bring the Pesach at all, and the next month when he would undoubtedly come to Jerusalem to deal with Pesach Sheni, he wouldn't have to deal with the Erev Pesach Sheni falling on Shabbat issue. The Gemara provides some insight into his reasoning. Rav said, My Tama de Ben Dortai, what, is the, what was the logic that Ben Dortai was following? Dichtiv, Vizavachta Pesach Lashem Elokecha Tzon Uvakar. It says in the Torah, You shall slaughter the Passover offering to the Lord your God uh, out of the flock and from the cattle. It's a bizarre thing. It doesn't the Zevach Pesach have to be a, a lamb or a kid? Or who heard that it could be a calf? So the Gemara goes on, Doesn't the Passover offering have to be from the sheep or from the goats? Why does the verse mention cattle? Ela tzon ze Pesach. Bakar zochagigah. Tzon, the word for flock, refers to the Pesach. The word bakar for cattle means the Chagigah. And the Torah says, V'zavachta Pesach, you shall offer up the Paschal offering, uh, thereby creating an equivalence between Pesach and Chagigah and suggesting that the rules that obtain that pertain to one should obta- pertain to the other. That was Dortai, Ben Dortai's reasoning. And then the Gemara goes on to offer some suggestions about the correct way to interpret that peculiar reference in the Torah uh, that uses the language of the flock and cattle to refer to the Pesach when it it is abundantly clear from the laws in in the Torah that the Pesach cannot possibly be from the cattle, uh, to try to find some way to interpret those words uh, meaningfully and and reasonably, other than the way that Ben Dortai used them to justify the equivalence of Pesach and Chagigah, and to indicate that uh, in the same way that the Passover offering overrides the laws of Shabbat rest in the Beit HaMikdash when Erev Pesach falls on Shabbat, so should this Chagigah of the 14th of Nisan also override the laws of Shabbat rest. For modern people such as ourselves studying this Gemara, the the challenge it lays at our feet is interesting. What do we do when we disagree with the majority opinion? How do we behave when 
when the rules that are taught by our rabbis, people whom we respect and whose judgments we almost always follow, seem to be in contravention of the norms that we ourselves consider to be sacred. The, the way we read the Torah differs from the way they understand its exigencies. Do we follow Ben Dortai's example and remove to the distant south so that we can avoid the whole thing? This would be the equivalent of someone who chooses to daven at home in his living room rather than come to a synagogue in which the practices do not suit him exactly because the rabbi's determination of the law is not exactly in sync with his or her own. Uh, is that a good path? Many follow it. But the Gemara here seems to be clear that Ben Dortai behaved poorly, that his job was to express his opinion, yes, even forcefully, to perhaps to try to justify it. But in the end, it was his obligation to follow the teaching of Shemayav and Avtalion, the great Torah sages of his, of his day, even though he personally may have felt that they had erred in their, in their uh, interpretation of the law. Moderns, particularly modern Americans, and the citizens of Western democracies understand this principle well. Uh, we do not arrogate to ourselves the right to break laws which we personally find uh, unappealing. We understand that the way for a democracy to thrive is for people to agree to live under the rule of law even when they personally would have made the law read differently. Therefore, the question for us to ask is why so many of us find that principle, which we apply to secular life easily and without too much difficulty, why is it that we find it so complicated to apply that to the laws of the Torah and so personally distressing to knuckle under to decisions that we ourselves are sure we would have come to differently on our own. That's the real question inherent on page 70 in Tractate Psachim. Thank you and goodbye. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.